Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1930. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Surrey in the UK, across the pond, as we say, with a very special guest by the name of Justin Alani. Justin, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? I am indeed, Mark. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to be here. Well, this is going to be fun. What you're doing is very cool. May uh, bring some questions from some of my listeners, but I think we're going to answer all of them. Before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Justin? Uh, would you believe I used to be a swimmer? I used to swim for my, my hometown, my, my county. I haven't done it for many, many years, but uh, it's the sort of thing that I think if you do as a kid, uh, you enjoy it, and um, and it's a great thing to be doing in older life as well. So, yeah, it's probably one thing most people don't know about me. Swimming is awesome. What a great exercise. Uh, easy on your body. I grew up in Southern California. I was a surfer. I was in the ocean every day pretty much. I uh, got r- really good at swimming and loved it, and it's something I kind of miss living up here because if you jump in the water up here in the Pacific Northwest, you have about 10 <laughs> minutes before you freeze and sink. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit chilly up here, but swimming is pretty cool. Well, let me give you a proper introduction, and we're going to dive into what you're doing. Justin Lunny is the founder and CEO of Everati, where they passionately redefine the most iconic cars and make them relevant to the world today. Each vehicle's past is preserved by meticulous concourse standard restorations while simultaneously receiving a zero emissions full electric powertrain that delivers much improved levels of performance, refinement, and sustainability. Justin is an experienced and successful entrepreneur who prior to Everati founded and sold fintech in the financial technology space. Today, he and his team seek to build a business that combines their passion for technology and cars with a concern for the environment and the future of our planet. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love, give them a listen. Hold on, we're at Everati today having fun. We'll be right back. My friends at Covercraft offer you 10 different options. That's right, 10 for your vehicle's protection. You can choose from WeatherShield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, FormFit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five-layer all-climate cover, three-layer moderate climate cover, and a five-layer indoor option. You have all sorts of ways to protect your car. All of these are custom-tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople. It's the form and fit with the quality to attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. It's what I do. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your order, plus you get free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, 
While I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy, and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled are stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. They're the ones that insure my car. That's American Collectors Insurance. So Justin, we're back. So as we begin this journey, I understand a piece of the inspiration for Everati began with a prince and a bride leaving Windsor <laughs> Castle, uh, Windsor being your hometown for 15 years, in an electric Jaguar E-Type. What a nice way to start this journey. So uh, get the inspirational tires turning, Justin, and take the wheel. Yeah, thank you, Mark. So, uh, yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was a resident of Windsor, uh, right in front of Windsor Castle, in fact, where, where I lived. Was, uh, we were able to see into the grounds, which is absolutely amazing. Wow. Uh, and this one day when the, uh, when the prince uh, and Meghan got married, they went away from the castle, as, as people may know, in an electric E-Type. And for me, that was a great inspiration, seeing such an iconic car um, for the future. Because back then, 2018, really the only options in EV were were Tesla and maybe some of the hybrid uh, cars that were around at the time. And, and I just thought the ability to have such an iconic, cool vehicle on the road in zero emission zones was, was going to be the future, frankly. The excitement about that car for me was I was at the Quail a motor car event and they had that vehicle maybe not the exact same one or it might have been i'm not sure but they had a jaguar that was powered by electric and i was standing there i got in early as part of a press kind of thing and it was very interesting for me to just i mean i love who doesn't love the e-type right i mean it's most one of the most beautiful cars in the world it's the car that started it for me by the way my father bought me my first matchbox when i was about four or five years old oh, wow. and it was a little red jaguar e-type it's sitting around here somewhere i still have it <laughs> and listening to people talk about this car and the difference of variety of opinions at that time and maybe even now of taking a classic car and converting it to electric uh, can be polarizing for some people but i think for most people it's rather exciting at least it is for me because it creates another opportunity in a variety of ways. So let's dig a little deeper into the thought process behind Everati. And I've got to ask you this question, where did the name come from? Yeah, the name was an interesting one. So in this day and age, finding a name is actually quite challenging, as you may know, and especially the domain name that goes with it. But but the background to the name is, I guess, a combination of various different themes, really. So Ever um, is the first part of the word, clearly, trying to maintain and enable these beautiful, beautiful, iconic cars to be driven forever. EV happens to be in there as well, although bizarrely, we see EV as an evolutionary step. You know, it may be hydrogen longer term, and we're very open-minded to that as well. Mm -hmm. And then Rati happens to be the Hindu goddess of love, 
passion and carnal desire. And of course, a lot of your listeners, a lot of people who love cars probably feel a lot similar about their cars and and, and therefore we believe that's got a a relevance to it as well so that's that's the background to the name i love it i love it i i I picked some of that out of there but you as soon as you said arati i went okay i think some of my history i think (laughs) i know where he's going with this so let's talk about the vehicles that you're focused on right now i know the porsche 911 964 body configuration which is being used by a lot of people like uh Rob Dickinson for Singer, uh, the RSR Project folks over here, all people I've had on the show. And of course, Superformance, my good friend Lance Stander has been a guest here several times. I've driven his GT40. Oh my goodness. Uh, what a fun thing those guys are doing. Land Rover, another, I mean, you're picking all the, the cars that we people love and the Mercedes Pagoda style. So let's talk about your reasoning for picking these vehicles and then kind of take us into a journey of how you go about the process of not only restoring, but changing the power power plants to something that you can plug in and go yeah. or unplug and go is what I should say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, so I think look, the, the first um, one on that list that you've talked about clearly is the Porsche. So the 964 is such an iconic shape as you've, if you've already identified, you know, it's something that clearly has uh, been personified by Singer and the beautiful curves and just an iconic, iconic uh, shape and the way it drives is, is really, really important. And for us, that's the key. You know, we are, we're, we're trying to make sure that we don't ruin these cars in any way. They're taken all the way back to the chassis and they're treated like with kid gloves, essentially, as like a nut and bolt restoration would be. We also don't cut the chassis in any way. And we always try to keep both the weight and the weight distribution um, as close to the original car as we possibly can. And that's so important on these performance cars. Less so maybe on a Land Rover or maybe, dare I say, a Pagoda. But on a, on a Porsche, um, it is so important that it still drives the way it should. So the way we go about this is we take a model, and let's say the 964, we weigh that car at all four, four corners, so four corner weights. So we know exactly our target weight. We then take out the oily bits, you know, the bits that combustion engine in terms of gearbox and drivetrain. Um, we then weigh it again, and we also then 3D scan the space that we have left. So we know exactly the space that, that the, you know, the engine, the gearbox, and the fuel tank would have taken. Mm-hmm. We then CAD design a brand new drivetrain for that vehicle. So we have all the CAD scans. Uh, we put them within the technology that we have, and we can we can then look at where the motor should be, where the battery should be, and as importantly, where the weight should be. So we go through all of that process. Uh, we then build up the car, given the technology we have available, and we start to test that. So we, we've had these Porsches now in testing for well over a year. Um, uh, so the one that you've probably seen on the road and, you know, and some of the videos that we have um, is really now close to production it's just a last pre-production car and that will be going into production very very shortly that car you see in the images that we've uh, no doubt seen on our website or on our, our, our pr that car is actually lighter than the original car um, about 40 50 kilos lighter and almost identical weight distribution and that's really what we are aiming for which is a car that still feels like a porsche and we also added some other bits. You know, people have commented, why does it have why does it have exhaust pipes, for example? Uh, and we have within that vehicle um, a synthetic sound. And I say synthetic; it's the same technology as new manufacturers use when they put a sport button on the car. It is, it's just pumped through, and we have the same technology. And that car actually feels 
like it's a like it's a combustion engine you can actually feel the vibration through the car so Whoa. that's the kind of length we go to on on that particular car oh my gosh that is so cool i love it the symph- well you always hear of us car fanatics talking about the exhaust being a symphony of sound mm. so uh there you go you're taking it to that place Let's jump into the Superformance, because what Lance is doing at that company, what they've done forever, and you take the iconic GT40, what a nice starting point that is. I mean, it's already basically a high-performance race car, if you will, for the streets, but you're doing something that I think even makes it faster, right? At least acceleration. Yeah, that's right. I think quite a lot of people... um, you ask about why we do the you know the GT40. You you may know that the GT40 was originally um, designed in the UK, um, and it was actually designed about and I'm going to get this probably wrong, but about five miles from Windsor. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> back, a place called back Slough. home to you uh, again. <laughs> yeah. So not not uh, it's a place called Slough, and it was uh, within the uh, the Lola factory in the Lola background. So for me again, a really really important car. For us as a business because i think it has a load of uh, anglo-american history to it um it also so happens that my eight my seven-year-old son's favorite movie is ford versus ferrari so that kind of helped my decision um but yeah if you look at the gt40 such an iconic car uh with all the le mans wins with all of the heritage that go with that um and it, indeed with that car and with that relationship it's so important to us again that we try and keep it as original looking as possible uh, the weight distribution on our vehicle will be very, very similar to the to the original vehicle. Um, but yeah, in terms of performance, it's pretty much out there. You know, our peak is 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 going to be around 800 horsepower. Um, our peak torque is around 800 um, newton meters of torque, um, and it is going to be quite quite a monster. And really, what we're doing with that vehicle, I guess, is allowing people that love the shape, love the uh, the thought of a GT40 to drive it in a in a subtly different way, which is if you want the sound on, yes, we can create the sound in the same way as we do uh, in our Porsche, albeit nowhere near as loud as the original, uh, probably for good reason. You don't want bleeding ears, um, but but also something that can be driven in clean air zones, uh, in environments where noise is a problem. You know, if you look at a lot of racetracks, certainly in the UK, in, in terms of Goodwood and a variety of others, noise pollution. Um, is a real issue and 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 you have track days where you just cannot uh, go over a certain decibel of course with the gt40 we could we could use that in a track environment um and all you'd hear is the tire squealing so pretty pretty cool really oh yeah it's very cool you know and around here in the pacific northwest uh they've been cracking down i know other cities on loud exhausts uh they'll actually fine you if you have a modified exhaust now how they determine that has always been up in the air but uh but you're but you're right and uh my daughter lives in an area where there's uh been a problem with that and she goes yeah it's hard to sleep at night these kids come out and you know make a lot of noise it's kind of irritating so plus she's got a new baby so that wakes everybody up which isn't much fun and then we jump to a very different vehicle but an uh, iconic beloved vehicle the land rover uh series 2a i mean it's one of those cars that everybody smiles when they look at yeah absolutely right you know i think again i mean um as it happens my uh my my, my family so my, my father but my grandfathers were, were all in the army at some description over, over a period of time and and that vehicle has gone from very agricultural but also uh, using the military in, in in you know around the world frankly it's a beautiful iconic car and increasingly it's in a car that people as you rightly say they smile they love it it's it's not the most dynamic let's be perfectly honest but it is it's a stunning thing to see and, and i just remember as a kid actually seeing 
you know, guys and girls jump out of the back of a Land Rover, maybe at a local pub, and there'd be a guy next to him in a Ferrari, the Porsche, something else, and everybody was looking at this Land Rover because it was just cool. Um, so, so that's kind of one of the reasons we've done that. With that vehicle, um, yeah, that's all about being something that people can drive, whether it's in the city or down to the beach or on their, dare I say, private estate without noise and without pollution and the original was not the most straightforward to drive as you've ever driven one it's uh, very low on power uh, the gear selection is is not straightforward and, and we just take a little bit of that out so it's single speed we still re retain the transfer box so it can be you know two or four wheel drive if you wish um, we've made sure it's not too fast and that might sound a weird thing to say on a car show but the last thing you want is that to be dangerous. So we've, you know, the, the, the zero to 60 is, uh, is much quicker than the original, but, but, but not performance car standards. But it's a cool thing. It's going to be really, really fun to, to drive and be seen in, frankly. Oh, it's beautiful. And then uh, as far as today, the last one we're going to talk about here is the Pagoda, the Mercedes SLW113, which is just an iconic, beautiful, lovely little car. But when you drive them, uh, unless it's a manual, kind of gutless, <laughs> kind of lets you down yeah. a little bit, you know, because you think Mercedes and coming off of the 300 SL era and then the 190s and then this yeah. car. So you're going to make this car fun. We're going to make it fun and we're going to make it, um, I guess, a combination of things, really. So, yes, the, the performance, the power is there. Um, you know, again, we're not looking to make it uh, too fast because by definition, it's a 60s vehicle. But I think just having that that power available the roof down, cruising cruising along the highway or, or down by the by the coast. I think it's just a beautiful, evoc evocative shape. Um, yeah, the, the number of movie stars you, that were seen back in the day in these vehicles, um, and of course, you know what we do now is take them and we fully, fully restore them so they look absolutely perfect, tied with a beautiful, uh, fully re-engineered drivetrain. Um, and I think it's just the perfect combination and future for these vehicles, personally. Oh, it's lovely. So the way you do this, do people bring you the original car or do you source the car or are both options available? And I assume each of these is going to be bespoke. Yeah, so but both um, options are available. We tend to, we offer the, the sourcing service that people can can bring them to us if they so wish. But we also make sure that that car is theirs before we do any work onto it. So they've got to be comfortable with the base car um, and, and what it what it stands for. And we clearly help them make sure that that is uh, a straight car and it's a good base for, for what we need to do. Um, the process, I guess, that we go through, we've talked about the weighing, the weight distribution. The, I guess the key thing for us as well is that, the, and the reason I think we're slightly different from uh, some of our peers in the industry is, you know, most of my guys are either ex-McLaren They've worked at Lotus, they've worked at JLR, they've worked at Mercedes-Benz. So, and they've worked on brand new cars that either have a hybrid drivetrain or an EV drivetrain. Um, so, so they're very, they probably are the best in the business, frankly, at engineering new EV drivetrains for some of these beautiful, beautiful cars. So I think that's probably what sets us apart and why people are coming to us for this, this high-end uh, redef redef redefinition. You know, we call it a redefinition rather than a conversion because we think about everything. You know, we have beautiful, beautiful dials that again look original, but they are, um, to all intents and purposes, EV dials. So, so that's the process. Um, somebody either brings us their car, or we can source and sell them that that original, and then we go through that process. Now, the great thing about what we do is because we've engineered each model that we do up front and tested it, the time to actually then install that 
all of that um, technology is actually relatively quick, um, but clearly the longest process is yeah, how long does it take to restore a vehicle? So that's that's the key thing. To, so that will depend very much on on its original condition and also what the customer likes. You know, that somebody will like a completely original looking nine six four. Some other people might want wide body. They might want some, a few extra tweaks, or they might even want a back date. So we're, we're open to all of those ideas. Um, but the bit that we do in the middle, because we've spent so much time engineering it properly, bizarrely actually doesn't take too long to complete once we've, once we've got a perfect car to work on. Oh, it's lovely. Are there any Now, the cars can be distributed worldwide. So wherever somebody is today can order a car and ship it. When the car comes in, are there any regulation, weird rules about that vehicle? Because I know in Great Britain, some things have changed with Brexit and with importing cars, exporting cars, and that's made things completely yeah. uh, befuddling in paperwork in some ways. It is, Mark. Yeah, I think, so the key thing at the moment, so each um, each market is slightly different. You know, each country will have slightly different regulations when it comes to um, not only moving cars around, but also changing the drivetrain. So, in the UK and in certain other markets, it's relatively straightforward. It's not overly regulated. Um, and certainly in the United States, it's probably the same in many ways. You know, let's let's take um, some of the companies that are doing similar things to us in California. Once you have the car in country, you can do a lot of this thing. And that's part of our plan, actually. So at the moment, we're building cars solely in the UK. But next year, we will be opening our uh, US factory and we'll actually be having uh, cars built you know, within, within country because we think that's really important to show not only commitment to our customers, but also when it comes to servicing, when it comes to support, we'll have, um, we'll have our, our facility in North America. And hence the relationship, I guess, with Superformance. You know, I think it's going to be really key that we work very, very closely with those guys and, and make sure that their customers know exactly what they're getting when they, uh, they sign on the dotted line. Well, we are kind of a big market over here, a lot of us. So uh, there's opportunities. Do you know where you will be in the U.S. at this point? Are you still exploring those options? We're still exploring those options. It's likely to be California um, initially. Um, that's not to say that we will, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll necessarily keep all production there. But but certainly, it, it looks like the sensible place. We already have a load of friends in California. Um, some of which are Brits, some of which are not. But, you know, there's a great car scene, as you know, in California um, and a great uh, love of, let's be honest, Porsche, uh, the Superformance cars. And let's be perfectly honest, EV, especially in L.A. and, and you know, other cities in California. So we're very much focused on how do we bring the best quality EV, uh, EV redefined cars to those markets. Let's talk about a driving inspiration I like to call a key mentor, somebody who was highly influenceable in your life. Influenceable, is that a word? Influencing your life uh, that kind of gave you motivation and helped you move along when it comes to the car world. Other than uh, a prince and his bride driving away from Windsor Castle, what could be more romantic than that in a beautiful E-type? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's funny, this question, because I, I was going to say somebody completely different, but I was very fortunate in the last... Um, in the last month, in fact, the last week or so, I've been um, touring around the south of France and the southern Alps uh, in one of my cars. And the gentleman that was leading the pack was a guy called Derek Bell, who I'm sure you'll be very yes, familiar with. Yes, he's been on this show. <laughs> right. So Derek was um, was part of the tour that I was doing. Um, and he is uh, he's just an inspirational guy. He's, he's fun. He's engaging. He's 
an unbelievable driver and his history of motorsport and of F1 um, is pretty unique actually. So I've been I've been chatting to him last week actually and we, we were talking about the, the Porsche actually, the electric Porsche that we do. Um, and he was very open, he said, look, yeah, electric isn't for him at the moment, but he actually loves what we're doing. You know, I think that's that he's open-minded enough to think yeah. actually this is this is kind of there's a space for this um, and it's an increasing space. Um, he also happened to let me follow him. So I was um, I was without a navigator for a couple of days. Uh, and on one day last week, he um, he said, why don't you follow me? So through the southern southern Alps of, of France, um, him driving his Porsche, me driving uh, a Ferrari, as it happens, um, was just a great experience. So uh, I'll never forget that. So, yeah, he's a, he's a just a great influence and, and somebody um, and I hope he won't mind me saying this, but he's 80 this month and just, the, you know, his driving skills, his sharpness, his character, um, his sense of humor is just incredible. I've, I've had the pleasure of talking to Derek on this show and his son, Justin, and talked to him many times at racetracks, vintage events, of course. And, you know, he's one of those iconic racers that have driven everything, endurance racers. But I find it pretty cool. And I have to chuckle here because we were trying to set up this meeting together, you and I, uh, last week. And you said, well, I'm stuck in France. And I thought, oh, sounds like a boring business trip. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't so boring, I have to say. No, we, we were very fortunate. We had our... Um, the Everati Porsche in the Gulf livery was on the uh, on the closing day of the tour um, on uh, in Saint Tropez Polo Club uh, <laughs> amongst the world some of the world's most beautiful cars. So yeah, we were very fortunate to have our car there. Um, so it's not all work, um, uh, lots of play. Fall, fall, fall. Jolly good show. Hey, what? Yes. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds like fun. Oh, well, let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about a challenge in this industry, particularly with what you're doing. So keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. I'm honored to say that my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah is Tech Force Foundation. They help young people find an education and career that aligns with their passions. For those who love cars, problem-solving, and working with their hands, a career as a professional automotive technician is the perfect fit for a fulfilling life. We're all wired differently, and not every successful career demands a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn more about how you can support tomorrow's driving force and workforce of technicians at techforce.org, like I do here at Cars Yeah. So let's talk about this, a challenge, an obstacle, 
Uh, something you've had to overcome. I bet there's been a lot of those things with mm. your endeavoring on something brand new like this and trying to do something that's very unique in the marketplace. Uh, I'd love for you to walk us through it, but more importantly, what was the lesson learned so that you could see a positive outcome on the end? Yeah, look, I think the key thing with this um, with this business, with the whole industry that we're in right now, is that um, changing people's perception of EV is actually quite a challenge. I am and still am um, uh, deep down a petrol head that's been turned into a motor head. And by that, I mean, I'm not just an EV guy. I still have a couple of combustion engine vehicles, uh, which I love, but we all have to face facts, which is that, you know, I believe, not everybody believes this. I believe climate change is actually real. Um, and I believe we have to, as a, uh, as, a, as a world, pull together and be able to actually say that we're doing something different and something towards reducing carbon emissions. And indeed, if I'm honest with you, tailpipe emissions is just as bad. You know, if I look at um, London, the city that I know, know and love, and I was there this morning, there are, there are actually people, there are children dying from tailpipe related emissions in London, which I think is just, you know, just a terrible, terrible thing. So uh, the key thing is really, I guess, encouraging people to be open minded about EV and about what we're trying to do. And that's been a load of fun. And so I think it's fair to say that, you know, we've had we've had guys and girls come and have a look at our cars maybe at Salon Privé or Concours of Elegance or some of the big shows in, in the UK. And their initial reaction is, oh no, what have you done? You've ruined the car. Um, how dare you almost? Then they get in the car and then they hear and feel the sound. And then we take them for a test drive. And I would say 95% of those individuals get it at that point. They really get it. And some of them are now placing orders with us. So I think that's been the real journey, which is, First of all, have belief in your conviction because you know I, I've been looking at this business now um, since prior actually to the to the wedding of Harry and Meghan, but you know certainly around uh, that that sort of period. And of course, in twenty even 2016, 2017, when I started thinking about the business, um, most of my friends were well, that will never work. You know that that's not yeah. Go and find something else to do. But actually, um, as we've seen, EV is everywhere now. You know, in every newspaper, in every news article, uh, people are talking about the growth of EV. But not everybody wants to drive a, you know, a brand new, dare I say, box, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, a, a digital experience. They want something analog. And that's what we're bringing to the EV market, which is that feel, that sense of occasion when it comes to Pagoda or the feel of a Porsche or the outright power of the GT40. I love it. And I like the way you, you put that, you, you wove that comment all together. I've had this discussion with many, many of my car friends. You know, I'm a, a, a more mature, older, I'm not going to say I'm older, more mature gentleman, let's say. I love the combustion engine, the sound, the feel, the vibration, but realize things are changing. And even if you don't agree with the EV world, it's coming, whether you like it or not. It's being in many cases, uh, I'll say forced upon us, but also there's reasons behind that. Good. And if you don't agree with them, okay, that's fine. But the most interesting conversation I had with somebody was applying it to the horse. Because mm. when the combustion engine came on, and even the early electric vehicles, some of the first vehicles, I think the first was an electric vehicle that Ferdinand Porsche designed the first that's electric right. vehicle uh, before 1900, is the horse went away, even though people were saying it would never go away. But it still exists 
in a different way, in a different use. And I could see 50 years from now, maybe it's longer, maybe it's sooner. I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball like that. I would pick better stocks mm-hmm. every day, I'm sure. And <laughs> the combustion engine will eventually be gone, but those vehicles will be used perhaps in special events, historic That's racing, right. historic presentation, historic road venues, if they allow it. But the fact that you're Keeping that heritage in these old cars, but making them usable in an EV factor is what I find most fascinating and enjoying because one of the biggest pieces of loving these cars is the visual, but of course the driving experience and the fact that you incorporate the sound, the vibration, the feel uh, is really, really wonderful. Yeah. And what I haven't, I guess, um, said so far, Mark, is that everything we do is also technically reversible because we don't cut the chassis we try to use the original engine mounts you know we've had a couple of customers who said actually i'd like to keep the original engine the original gearbox and why don't you package it up for me why don't you put it in a you know a glass box and i'll have it in my my office or my if the wife will let me in my lounge whatever it might be but (laughs) but actually that um that just means that you know we're just giving these cars a heart transplant and actually the the heart is just somewhere else in in your home or in your in the garage and you can if you come to sell the car you sell everything together but you're absolutely right you know the horse um analogy is a really good one you know horses um are still around they're still being used people play polo people do eventing people do all the things that they love to do with horses but they're not messing up the roads and they're not you know creating other other havoc that unfortunately lots of horses can do um and i think that will be the same in, in this environment you know i think the great thing is with the kind of things that we're doing you'll be able to see these beautiful cars on the road every day um but actually as you rightly say those with combustion engines maybe that's on closed roads maybe that's on closed events they will still be around um they just won't be as available and therefore um, those that those that can um, can do what we will, will allow them to do, and actually, you know, be able to be used in, in in so many more places. So that's that's the key thing that we're trying to encourage, I guess. I also love your forward vision and the fact that if things move hydrogen, because hydrogen is that other element out there that seems so viable, but there's challenges with it. But I've had people on the show that are going to, they're focusing their business on hydrogen powered vehicles. Uh, There's still that option for you guys. So you've got a very wide open vision on what could happen with these vehicles. But the core is classics, enjoying the vehicles, taking them on the road, protecting the environment all those kinds of things. If you look at your bucket list, are there some other cars you kind of have in the back of your mind for the future that you can tell us about? There are so many. <laughs> there are so <laughs> yeah, many. I would think, I think so. That, yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about why. So we, we don't necessarily term what we do about classic cars. We call them iconic cars. Now, it happens that the first few cars we're doing are classics, and you know whether they're recent classics or or slightly uh, slightly further back in time. But, you know, what's classic to you, what's classic to me, is probably not what's classic or iconic to, let's say, a 24-year-old, 25-year-old guy or girl in California that's just made a load of money and wants to um, express their love of cars in a different way. And what might be iconic to a guy in London is maybe a Golf, a Volkswagen uh, GTI, let's say. Now... To many people, that's an iconic car, um, and why not? In, in you know, in a few years' time, once battery prices become lower, that potentially is a vehicle that could be looked at from uh, from an Everardi perspective. 
you know, right through to a Lancia Delta Integrale or something of that ilk. So something that's kind of becoming a modern classic, but it's certainly an iconic car. And, and that's really, you know, there are so many cars that I'd like to look at over, over the period of the business. Um, and that's what makes it fun, you know, and, and you get to talk to people who have these wacky ideas. You know, we, we, have a, we have somebody in the UK at the moment who would like us to um, create a, a superformance, the Daytona Coupe, Daytona Coupe, um, but with some kind of interesting sounds, so not necessarily a, a motor sound, but something else. And again, it's just really interesting, and, and you meet these people, and, and they have lovely ideas, and, uh, and they're all passionate. They all share the same passion, which is cars, and increasingly clean air and, and sustainability, and we, and, and we love to talk about both, as you can imagine. Very cool. I'm going to crawl into your skull here, Justin, and be your car psychologist today. If you were manifest as a vehicle, what would Justin be, but more importantly, why? Uh, that is the one question mark that I have <laughs> absolutely no idea how to answer, but I'll, I'll give it a try. Okay. So I think I would be, um, I would be probably uh, something like a Bentley. Maybe a, a Mulsanne, so something that is uh, slightly overweight, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but sporty, um, something that people can rely on and, and hopefully can kind of go into any environment. So some, something like that. I, I love I love those vehicles uh, with passion um, and something like that that has that that sense of occasion. Um, but it's an honest British brand um, and yeah, something that I think. Uh, you know, I, I, I've, I'm proud to have had a few in my time, and uh, certainly as, as uh, Bentleys anyway, um, and, and they just evoke that quality, reliability, um, and I guess Britishness that, you know, is, uh, is something that I'm, I'm still proud to be. Well, of course. Dare I say, would you be an EV? I would, but I'd probably actually, I would probably say that uh, I would want to make sure that it was as similar to drive as the original in terms of performance, in terms of you don't need to almost upgrade those cars. Yeah, they were already performant enough. They were designed so well. Um, so actually a, an EV, but with all the similar traits that, that you get in the original. Now, it sounds like you've had some pretty cool special cars in your life. Is there one that stands out you could share? So the one weirdly that I always talk about, um, and this is something that I was very fortunate when I was... When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, um, my father um, uh, and I used to kind of renovate to a very low level, if I'm honest, but renovate uh, some old French cars. And, and, oh, wow. and that was really um, good fun. It got me kind of a, a view on engineering. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm an engineer, but a view on engineering. And I was fortunate enough to have a Renault 5 Gordini. And I don't know if you know what one of those is. I'm sure you do. But it was a, just a sporty little Renault 5. Um, I loved some of the details. I loved the wheels. I loved everything about it. So, um, yeah, that was just a, a vehicle. It's not super fast by anybody, by any standards today. Uh, it's tiny. It's it's all the things that probably people wouldn't necessarily view as iconic today. But but I love that vehicle. Kind of a GT, a uh, Golf, kind of GTI, maybe yeah, Golf kind of esque car, if you will. That's exactly right. But with its French. Uh, Eclectedness, you know, it's uniqueness that the French do with their vehicles. That's you know? right. It's really, really light. Um, didn't need a lot of power because it was so light. And uh, yeah, load of fun, load of fun. You could certainly chuck it about and, and enjoy the enjoy the curves, enjoy the bends, as it were. So yeah, a lot of fun. Sounds cool. Now, how about a great book? Is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners today that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, do you know, it's one that I haven't even got through fully yet, but it's the the Nike story. Um, oh, okay. So shoot 
yeah, I'm, I'm kind of most of the way through it. And I'm just enjoying the story again of somebody who really in the early days of that business was battling so many things, so many things were against them. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, pull through and have been hugely, hugely successful. But I think also as a business, you know, that, that concept of building a brand that people love, that people trust, um, and actually how you how you build that underneath, you know, it's almost like a swan. You see, see that beautiful swan going along the river, but underneath, you know, it's paddling away. And, and that's a really good business analogy for me as well. Yeah. You know, people look at a brand like that or Apple, let's pick another big one, and they think, oh, they just came out of the box and they were super successful and there was so That's much right. turmoil. I use Apple because, of course, Steve Jobs was basically fired out of his own business. You know, right. imagine that. You work passion and all of that, and all of a sudden the board goes, I don't think we need you anymore, buddy. Goodbye. Wait, Absolutely what? Right. This is my company. Not really. Not anymore. Yeah. So uh, Shoe Dog is one of those amazing stories I think every business person, and especially young people who are very entrepreneurial and coming out and trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives should read because there's an immense amount of information there. I'm going to let you go on the ultimate drive today. Now, it sounds like you just went on one of those. I mean, I ch <laughs> chasing Derek Bell through the the, the French uh, mountainside and the countryside. Wow, that sounds like fun. I'm going to I'm going to come over there and hang out with you for a while. If you could Please pick any, if you could yeah. pick, well, there you go. If you could pick any vehicle to be in with anybody living or deceased and be anywhere, maybe just for today or tomorrow, what would that ultimate drive look like for you? This is really interesting. So I, so I am, um, I, I, I'm going to be fairly boring on this one. I actually, <laughs> you okay. know, I, I would actually go with my, my, my beautiful wife. Um, okay. and I would take, uh, I would probably take either an Everati Porsche or, or the Pagoda. Um, but it would be on the North coast of Scotland. So oh. on a beautiful day, um, I'm sure, you know, there's some lovely, lovely roads. There's some famous runs, runs in that area. We got married, um, at a place called Dundas Castle in Scotland, wow. um, in, uh, in Edinburgh. Um, and on the right day on the right roads uh, in Northern Scotland, it's just stunning. You could be anywhere in the world. They're quiet, they're beautiful, beautiful scenery. And that's probably what I would do. It's, um, you know, I, I guess I could probably pick anybody in the world, but, but that would be a lot of fun. You know, I had a guest on a few weeks ago that picked that same part of the world to be in a special Ferrari oh, wow. on. Yeah, with uh, and I'm trying to remember who he said he was with, but it was a famous race car driver. Oh, Graham Hill. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, okay. Some, somebody who was very famous, but is somewhat understated, I think, in some ways, maybe because of his gentlemanliness uh, and the mm. kind of person he was. He wasn't really loud, flamboyant and, you know, obtuse, but he was wonderful driver, wonderful gentleman. And uh, so it's funny that you mentioned the same place up in the North Coast and Scotland and that, uh, yeah, that sounds like my, like fun. My son got to be up there with a, a, a girlfriend of his and her mother and travel with them and drive those roads. And he said, he told me, dad, uh, you love driving, you love roads. I found some amazing roads we got to go over there and do. So that's kind of a bucket list for us. You've taken us on a wonderful drive today, and I'm so excited about your business. I'm so happy that we were able to connect. Before I let you go, could you share maybe a parting word of wisdom, a success quote, or a mantra you might have? I think the key thing for me is is keep trying. When you, when you believe you have a great idea uh, and you believe that you're on the right track, even if nobody else does, frankly, always keep going because I think, you know, in life, uh, you only get one of them, I believe. Um, and, you know, have fun, 
follow your dreams. Um, and I've been very fortunate. You know, I, I had a background in technology. Um, I have, uh, you know, I have a real passion for cars. Um, and I've managed to bring those two together. And, you know, I find myself um, pinching myself every day that I'm in that position. You know, it's a great place to be. So and that that was you know a dream of mine. And I'm really fortunate to be to be living it and, you know, follow your passion, because if you can, if, you, if your work can be your passion, then you don't really feel like it's work. And I think that's really important, too. Well, absolutely. You are the epitome of what Cars Yeah is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And of course, to quote a fellow Brit, Sir Winston Churchill, never, ever give up. Keep trying, <laughs> right? So absolutely right. there you go. How can people learn more about Everati? So obviously, please uh, vi- visit Everati.com. Um, uh, Everati Cars on Instagram is also a great source of information. And we're increasing our presence on uh, both YouTube and, uh, and and a variety of other media. But if you just do a search for us, you'll find a load of great images. You'll find a load of great videos. Um, we will shortly be in a British motoring magazine feature as well that, that people will, will know, that, know about. So Top Gear will be uh, doing some bits on us shortly. So, yeah, just, just have a look and please come and find us when we're in, in North America or indeed if you happen to be in the UK, come and have a drive. Oh, absolutely. Everati, E-V-E-R-R-A-T-I. Pour yourself a tall drink. You're going to be there a while uh, enjoying what they're doing here. I want to do a shout out and a thank you to uh, Ben Lewis, uh, Influence Associates, who connected us. And, of course, your own Barnett Fletcher. So uh, he was kind to help get you and I together today and track you down uh, uh, from uh, being up in the mountains there in France, enjoying your cars and so forth. Justin, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise. I'm so excited with what you're doing. Can't wait to follow more and more excitement here. Uh, One of these days, uh, I'm going to get to jump in one of your vehicles and take it for a drive, and I think I'm going to be sold. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!